Hello, this is Dr. Daniel Van Ingen, and this uh, week's interview, this week's podcast is an interview that I did with Addison Rusko, the voice uh, of the Riverview Rams football team. He's a tremendous uh, broadcaster, and uh, he tapped into some things, uh, some childhood dreams that I had, and I have just uh, loved his work for Riverview Rams football, and I wanted to interview him. And so the following is my interview with Addison Rusko. Skydiving. <laughs> Jumping out of an airplane, huh? So we say, don't scare your amygdala. Right? Here we go. Let's go, let's This is Dr. Dan Van Ingen with the Dr. Van Ingen Clinical Psychology and Parenting Show. I am super excited to uh, interview Addison Rusko, the voice of the Riverview Rams today. Welcome, Addison. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation. I know we've been you know, talking a little bit about Riverview football over the past couple of weeks, but excited to hop on here and, and continue. So my dad would be excited about this interview. He, you know, he's been watching the Riverview Rams football team uh, the last couple of years from St. Paul, Minnesota, as several family members around the country have been watching you. The fake, and it is intercepted by Deshaun Olive. House call, touchdown Riverview. So they go quick to the punt formation. High snap. And that punt is blocked! It bounces at the 20. Can the Rams pick it up and return it? It is picked up by Big Mark. Makes a move. Big Mark all the way for six! And um, when I first started watching you three years ago, I thought, okay, this is a man who's living my dream. <laughs> now, I grew up wanting to be a broadcast journalist. I was smart enough to know I wasn't going to be good enough as an athlete. And I used to walk around with just in my imagination uh, on my front yard in, in southwest suburb of Chicago, Bolingbrook, Illinois, just broadcasting these games. And I just got done watching Harry Carey and Steve Stone, Chicago Cubs. And here I was, I created this whole basketball league called the LCBA. Um, I made it all up and I was, Dan Vanningham was one of the players, Michael Jordan. I grabbed some of my uh, childhood friends like Randall Crutcher and we, and then I made up some other names and I was playing ball and, but I was practicing my broadcasting skills. Did you ever do that as a broadcaster? A a absolutely. And it, it's funny you say that in almost the exact same way. So when I was little, little, like. I don't know, you know, a lot of people, you know, switch what they want to do for, for, you know, countless times. They do it over and over again. You know, like my sister, one day she wants to be a scientist and the next day she wants to be a vet. It changes every week. But for me, it's always been broadcasting. When I was, there's actually a video of me doing it. 
Um, but when I was six or seven years old, I was in the Detroit airport and I was playing a football game one, like by myself, but commentating myself playing football like in the airport. And you can like hear me in the video, like commentating like this pretend football game that just has me in it while I'm running around the airport. <laughs> and it's something that I still do to this day, not run around the airport and commentate the game. Uh, but like, I'll, you know, in my head, like, what I, what I really work on is I'll, like, create certain situations in a game and figure out how I would make the make the call to that. So just, like, in my head, just, like, walking around work. Like, the, the Stone Springman, Stone Cold call last year. Stone Springman! Stone Cold! Knocks it in from 48 yards! Um... That call I, I came up with at work four months before the four months before the season. Um, so there's so many things that I have in my back pocket that I'm kind of just waiting to use, but <laughs> it just has to be the right situation for me to use it. Um, but that's all through just thinking in my head and creating fake situations and stuff like that. Yeah, well, Addison, you just do a, such a fantastic job. You are uh, you. you have such a great voice, and um, you just. You, you, you define a story. I grew up watching sports and uh, some of my favorite moments, um, I remember exactly where I was when something happened. And I'll never forget in 1989, game five, I'm in the front yard with my friends, Danny Quinlan and David Sanchez. And uh, I keep going back in, back in and out of the house. I'd come out during a timeout it was game five, Eastern Conference playoffs, Cleveland Cavaliers and Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And there were a couple, actually, two great calls by the CBS announcer and the Chicago Bulls radio announcer uh, when Jordan hit that shot over Craig Elo. Do you have moments that you just love that bring you back? Like of other announcers making a call? Yeah, yeah, or great, yeah. So, yeah, so there's there's one that I really like, and it leaves a sour, really sour taste in my mouth. I'm a huge Michigan football fan. Okay. Um, but my favorite announcer is Sean McDonough. I, I, I love how he presents himself. I just, and I love his voice. His, his voice just, like, captures me in right away. And the result of the Michigan-Michigan State game in 2015 when – Michigan, all they had to do was get a punt away, and they win the game and finally beat Michigan State for the first time in a while, and he and he did it. And it, it was just a perfect call. And he muffs the snap. Oh, it was so good. And, and like, as much as I hate that play, like, the only reason that I can still watch that play to this day is because of, because of that call. And then uh, there's also this other one by Sean McDonough, and I'll and – I'll, I'll, I was sitting in my uh, living room because I want to get into hockey. Hockey is one of the few sports that I would have no idea how to commentate. Probably the only one. Um, and he made this call with the goal with a minute left in the Carolina Hurricanes game. Sebastian Ajo scored a goal. And just the, he just yelled out Ajo's name. But it was so, like, so good. It was so good. And, like, I, as you can see, it's just like Sean McDonough for me. I mean, obviously, there's other ones that stick out, but those two for sure, like, 
I'm a big Sean McDonough guy. I can't really say anything else. I'm calling this this show the voice of champions. And um, I think that the broadcaster tells a story. And <clears throat> I've been watching you very carefully with Rams. I know we're going to talk about Rams football in a little while. Um, but you have, you do a lot of research. You also predict, you anticipate, you, uh, in a recent, very tough, brutal end <laughs> to what I thought was unjust, um, you anticipated in advance that Anthony Miller was going to take that two-point conversion and go back. You called it in advance. And it seems like you have to have um, 50 years of experience watching games to anticipate. It's, if you ever played against uh, someone that's good at chess, well, you, you look through all the 8, 9, 17, I don't know how many calculated possibilities, but then you have to, you can't say all 17 possibilities here. You have to, it seems like you're on point so often. Why is that? Is that a gift? Is that something that you've um, how is it that how does that happen well i think that i you know as a as a broadcaster like i you know you know it i'm not going to say it's my job to to watch sports but i you know watch sports all the time like you know it's what i do so from watching a lot of football and seeing a lot of different situations and scenarios play out um but, I mean, yeah, just really knowing the game of football. Um, like, before I started commentating for Riverview, I don't think I, that I would have been able to, to make these uh, predictions. But now that I've started broadcasting football, and now I really key in. When I watch a football game, that's not one of my teams. If it's one of my teams, I'm just kind of there to enjoy it. But when it's not one of my teams, when I'm watching the game, I'm really watching everything that's happening. I'm not just paying attention to to the throws I'm paying to the to uh, paying attention to the clock and the situational awareness so I just think it comes from watching a lot of football but picking up on the little things okay I've seen this five times this has happened four out of five times I just and I can just keep that in my head I wouldn't say it's like you know it's a gift and that it comes to me I think it's just it comes from watching football and understanding football and taking the time to understand football you, you know to understand what they're going to do, it's, you know, it's different, but you can give yourself a certain amount of, okay, I, I'm about 80% sure here that they're going to do this to where three years ago, I probably wouldn't have been. I would have just been taking a guess where, you know, now I can more confidently say it. Just out of curious, at curiosity, Edison, how do you define success and how you tell this story? Um, when Clearwater won three weeks ago in the brutal, unjust, again, <laughs> game that still has, I still have some feelings about, that call at the end was a great call. And if you noticed, you'll be able to tell that I care a lot about broadcasting and just my observation, I think. Because the next week, again, we won the game by one yard 
on the last play of the game. Two heart attacks for a dad in back to back. <laughs> and if you listen to that call, which was in um, uh, what school was Manatee. that? Manatee. Yeah. Manatee. Okay. If you listen to that call, um, it was so home favored. Remember, we run out of time. The, the call at the very end, it was like major disappointment. And it it was, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah I, I, I was able to get a listen to it. Okay. Your call was objectively professional and it was a, a fantastic call. It, it, it brings you to life uh, or excuse me, it brings the moment to life. And of course, it, absolute heartbreak. I was in the stadium and, but if you go back and you listen to your call, um, I, I forgot his name. Maybe it, nightmares or something. What was his Daryl Sims? Uh, yeah, something Sims. I can't. I can't exactly remember. Dallas. Dallas. Dallas Sims. Sims at the Dallas. gun. I don't want to repeat you because you said it so beautifully. But it was a dramatic difference in the call the next week. Am I make? Is my question making sense? Yeah, I I, I kind of get what you're going um, right. So basically, in the way that I like to, to broadcast, and, and I get it because I'll, I'll give the example of the Vikings radio broadcaster. He oh, is yeah. very, very emotional, and he will tell you when he's pissed off at the Vikings yeah. and, and such. Okay. Um, and, I, and I think it's different on radio, too. It's not a, uh, a radio broadcast. And while it is for Riverview, and it's on a Riverview channel, and I broadcast for Riverview, yeah, I also understand that not only just, you know, because that's the way I feel like it should be done. It, like, to me, if I'm just sitting here complaining, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that just happened. Like, that's not uh, the the professional call to make. No, no one's going to sit here and, and tell you that I didn't want Riverview to win the game. Of course I wanted Riverview to win the game. But when I'm making the call, I can still – you can still know, know that, but I mean, not let it take away from the moment that just happened in yeah. the game yeah. um, where that moment deserved an exciting call. And so that's what I, that's what I gave it. Yeah. If that makes any sense. When I was a kid, did you, did you ever hear about Harry Carey? Well, I'm a diehard Cubs fan and my name's Addison because the Cubs play on Addison street. So ah. I, yes, I do. I forgot. I read part of that story in a newspaper a few years yeah. ago. That's so funny. Okay, so he would say, struck him out. Like he was so disappointed. <laughs> and as a kid growing up, you felt that connection with Harry because we're all so bummed out. Let, and I, and I, think that there's, I think that there's moments where, like, you, you know, I, and I'm sure that I've done it. I know that I've done it where I've been – you know, had a little disappointing thing. And I think there's times to do it. And then there's time, like, you know, like on the post game, quickly on the post game that we did after. And that's where I kind of was like, hey, listen, like, you know, kind of like kind of let that disappointment out. But during the broadcast, during the call, you know, I, you know, as a broadcaster, it's something that I want to do professionally. It's my job not to show to show bias. And so. Do you ever get thanks from the players? You're, yeah. Do you, it, it seems to me, um, 
like you, it seems to me that one of the greatest things is the highlights that they love. I don't know how they connect your, you know, they take the clips, they post them on their social media and your voice is always there. And these great moments like CL3, one of many this year and Scooter Trotman and, uh, and I just, I know that people, the, the players just love your voice. And one of the reasons why today's uh, show is called The Voice of Champions. You know, Michael Jordan, he texted Johnny Kerr after Jim Durham died of cancer. He said, uh, the voice of champions. And, you know, that just, that just touched me. And, uh, you know, Jim Durham had so many great calls and he... Ray Hudson, if you've ever watched any of the old Leo Messi highlights, Leo just won his eighth Ballon d'Or yesterday. When he was on Barcelona and being, they were covered by being sports for 10 plus years, uh, Ray Hudson, he was just had this classic voice and these, he told his story and it was hyperbole. And it was fun. It was, it was magical because he had all these poetic statements, uh, cooler than a polar bear in, Antarctica and, and under pressure and all these things that, um, but he, it's, it's, it's like the broadcaster tells this story and, and makes it come to life. There's so much more to the story with your voice and your, your, uh, the words that you attach to the moment makes it come alive. Yeah. I, and well, that's what I try. Like, I, I think, well, I have a YouTube channel and, um, it's gathered over 5,000 subscribers over the last uh, two, two, three years. It's not something that, you know, I, I do too much of anymore just, you know, with college and, and time now. But something that really helped that grow was my storytelling ability because on that channel, on YouTube, there's copyright restrictions and everything like that. And so I, I did basically radio play-by-play. They couldn't see the game. I had a scoreboard up on the screen and I you know, would do it with my friend. And you have to tell the story, especially when you're a radio broadcaster. Not, you, know, you still have to tell a story when you know, you're doing what I do right now for Riverview. But when you're doing it on the radio broadcast, you actually have to tell more of a story. Okay. And so that's, that's what I, I, I focus on. And I think that helps me with yeah. better telling the story on my broadcast for Riverview in the Paradise is because I've practiced and done so many radio broadcasts and I understand the importance of a, a storytelling. And obviously, storytelling is a lot more important on radio and you have to watch how much storytelling you do through broadcasting uh, when they are seeing the game. But I think that's just helped me out, realize the importance of storytelling and broadcasting in general. Because it is, it is huge and you you want you want a story, but you don't want too much of a story, especially when you're watching the game. Yeah, Addison, I want to tell I want to hear about your story. Uh, you and and what your future holds, you know, because you're such a you're such a valuable asset to Ram football. Um, I'm afraid that that might not last forever. I don't think there's a huge. Uh, I don't think we have a uh, there's a huge budget for a professional <laughs> for high school, but I think your future is exciting and bright. Um, 
when I was in college, my, my dream was to be a broadcaster and it got redirected. Uh, and then I had different dreams, but I think the dream was always there. It was just, it just got redirected in a different way. Um, and I, uh, for many years have worked as a clinical psychologist, uh, five years ago, I experienced some personal tragedy and, um, and I was going to speak. I do a lot of speaking on anxiety and neuroscience in my field. And I was going to speak in the Chicago area and my father, uh, he drove eight hours to come have dinner with me and to throw, uh, play catch in a, uh, hotel parking lot. He drove eight hours from Chicago, from St. Paul, Minnesota to where I was, uh, working, uh, and, you know, and, and we played catch in a parking lot. We just talked about some of the hard things I was going through. And one of the things that I've done for many years is done a whole lot of kind of intense work in my field. Um, like working with guys who were, uh, in Iraq, uh, during the Persian Gulf war and they were in a bunker for 18 hours and a scud missile came and we blew it out of the sky, but we were concerned that this was Saddam Hussein with poison inside the, uh, the rocket. And so they were, had all their gear, their poison masks. They thought it was going to be a chemical type of thing. And, and after 18 hours, no one wanted to take off their masks, their poisonous masks and, and, um, you know, as you can imagine how anxiety producing that would be. And the story I just shared there is a very light story, but a lot of intense, heavy story and a lot of heavy stories I heard over the years. And it just had a toll on me emotionally. And one of the pieces of advice, um, I, so I still do a little trauma work, but uh, five years ago, I started my sports psychology clinic and that came from that conversation I had with my dad, uh, where he said, you need to go back to, uh, some of your dreams and start working with athletes. So over the last four and a half, five years, I've been working with athletes more so. And instead of working through some of the heavy stuff, you know, like I just mentioned, now I'm working with, um, tapping into things like telling your story and finding that intrinsic motivation and overcoming setbacks. And, you know, athletes have an injury and if they're a junior or senior year and there, there's an injury and, um, you know, just kind of pushing them through. And, um, so anyway, um, some of that love for sports has returned in just a lot of a lighter side of life, you know, and working with athletes and helping them tell their story. And just in these one-on-one -on -one conversations, it's brought so much joy to my life. And, and then seeing you do what you do these last few years has, uh, and just wanting to talk to you, but just enjoying you from a distance. And, and then of course, cheering on my daughter and the Rams team, um, has been, um, you know, a huge blessing. So I'm a huge fan of yours because of the stories you tell in the way that you use your voice 
And I'll stop talking now. Thanks for listening to my <laughs> story. But I want to hear your story and how this came to be, how you ended up where you're at and why you're the voice of the Riverview Rams and, and your dreams. Sure. Um, well, it all, it all started kind of when I was younger. I remember uh, being in a cab in New York City and telling my dad that I wanted to go to Syracuse University uh, uh, to pursue broadcasting. And since then, that still holds true to this day. That's still the goal um, here in about a year and a half. But how it all started with Riverview, I was in 10th grade. I didn't go uh, to Riverview all ninth grade. I actually started at Booker Heights a little bit, even though I wanted to be a broadcaster. There was no real other opportunity than my YouTube channel. So I was kind of pursuing theater. That's something I had done since I was five. And that's what I, that's what I was going to school for. And then quickly, quickly realized that that was not what I wanted to do for a living. Um, and so me and my friend... Well, my friend actually uh, initiated it, and she was like, we got to get out of here. And I was like, I'm right there with you. Let's get out of here. And so then we both tra transferred to Riverview, and then COVID happened, yada, yada. So then in 10th grade, I took journalism at Riverview because I wanted to learn how to be a better sports writer and stuff like that. It was something I really worked on during COVID, something yeah. I had a, a lot of interest in. And... So one day, her the teacher there uh, was Mrs. Bliss at the time, uh, before Miss Denton took over the journalism program, and Miss Bliss asked us a question one day in class, and she's like, "All right, for extra credit, who wants to write the story for the football team?" I had plans with my friends that Friday. I did not want to go to the Riverview football game. I had like when I tell you my interest was at a zero, it was. It was at a zero. Um, she's like, I have to have someone do it. So we're going to sit here in class until someone chooses. So we're sitting there two, three, five minutes. Let's go by. I, I kid you not. Nobody's raising their hand. I was thinking, oh, my gosh. Like, somebody, please. I'm literally, like, praying that someone raises their hand. And eventually, I'm just so tired of it. I raise my hand. Oh, sure, I'll do it. Whatever. <laughs> That's the moment. And, and so, and so, I did it. And I was like, "All right, can you can you give me who? I didn't even know who the coach was." I said, "Can you give me the coach's email?" Uh, she's like, "Yeah." And so she gave me Coach Smithers' email, and I emailed him. And I wanted to like the way that I wanted to write it is I wanted to be down on the sideline with an iPad taking stats on the game. So then I could have the stats for my article. So I did that. I did that for the first couple of games. I rem remember doing it uh, when we played Venice uh, at home. I think we lost like 35-14 or 35-7. But I just would do that. That's kind of just what I did. And then we, you know, that, that was just what I did. I would write the, you know, articles every now and then that was it but I kind of just was connected with the team I would talk to the coach often and then my friend uh saw a post uh well he's actually my dad's friend but he's also my friend but he saw a post and he sent it to me and it was coach Smithers on Facebook saying we need help with the stream so then I texted Smithers I said hey I have a YouTube channel I I know how to I know how to stream I can set it up and so through that I then started traveling with the team to then set up the 
the, you know, the streams and something like that. Did I want to do that? No. I, like, I'll be real. And I think the, the most important thing I learned is, did I want to do that football article and write those football articles at the time? No, I didn't. Not not 10th grade Addison. He didn't want to do that. Now, if I had the opportunity, absolutely. But then I didn't want to do it. Did I want to travel up and just record a game? And then, it, you know, obviously ended up leading into actually streaming the games later in that year. But I didn't. But I I took it and used it as an opportunity to make it something. Because then in my head, I'm thinking, okay, well, if I can actually set up a stream here, I could commentate for Riverview. Yeah. And I can, I can make it that. And so the season ended, and I kind of just told Smithers at the end of the year, I said, you know, he talked about, you know, hiring a crew and everything. And I'm like, hey, I'm here to broadcast. Like, I, I can broadcast for you guys. Like, if you, if you get a streaming crew, I'm here. And I kept reminding him that. And, I, you know, I would text him every now and then, or if I saw him, I'm like, yay, like, you know, I'm here. I kind of putting myself out there. So we wouldn't forget. And then still in August, going into the year, first week of the year, I had no idea if we were going to be streaming or not. And then they ended up hiring uh, a crew. And then through that, was able to get the opportunity to stream Riverview football. And then the producer from Riverview football actually – uh, was the one who got the job with the Paradise to stream their games. And then through knowing him, I was able to stream and kind of get my first professional broadcasting job. And it all trickles down to being in 10th grade in class and not wanting to take something. So I, I, the most important thing, I guess, from it, and I guess my, my story is like, even if you think that like an opportunity is not worth taking and you don't like, oh, is this worth worth my time? An opportunity is an opportunity. And it doesn't matter how small it may seem at first, yeah. you know, me raising my hand in class that day. If I don't raise my hand to write that football article, I I would have never broadcasted for Riverview, would have in turn never broadcasted for the Sarasota Paradise. And I would just, the only thing that I would have to my name would be my YouTube channel right now. So have, that's kind of how it all came to be. Engraved on my watch, it says, go get your moment. And that was a word that came to me when I went skydiving a few years ago. And every once in a while, I'll send an encouraging text to an athlete around the county saying, go get your moment. And I think about your Miss Bliss, what she created for you was a moment for you to go get. And then each moment thereafter, you went after it. Um, That's awesome. What advice... I love your story, Addison. Um, what advice would you, uh, we have parents that listen and, and um, what about young people who don't yet have purpose? Some of, the, some of the, back when you were in high school, sometimes finding purpose is not so easy. Um, yeah. it, it wasn't until I was the third year in college. Now, uh, it's, it's like you have to, you're, whether it's cost or everything moving so fast, it, it seems like you're forced to decide in your major right away. There's no undecideds anymore for various reasons. People like are, are forced to, 
I mean, but it still takes time. It still takes time yeah. to figure out what your purpose is or what you want to do. Um, and sometimes you can't put all your eggs in one basket. If you get injured and you don't get that scholarship, then what, you know, and then life changes, you know, you get hit and then you go in a different direction. Do you have any thoughts on how high school students can find purpose? Yeah, I think that find, finding purpose is obviously, you know, everybody, everybody wants to find a purpose. For me, I, you know, I think that I was, you know, lucky enough to, to find, you know, my job purpose, my career purpose, you know, not everybody knows, but it's okay not to know what, what your purpose is. And so I think my biggest advice would be not to stress over not knowing. And I, obviously I say that having not known, but there's times that, you know, I, I don't know, you know, obviously, you know, I have high hopes for, you know, my, uh, you know, broadcasting career, but there's also times that I wonder if that's, you know, you know, what's, you know, going to happen. And if that's, you know, what's made for, I truly believe that, but like, what if it's not? And so you get that worry inside your head, but like, there, as you said, like there's so many times that, you know, you didn't know till the third year of college. And so it, it's different for everybody in, in every different situation. Cause there's everybody's in a different situation, but yeah. really just like finding what you love and just like not, not rushing it and just like letting it happen. Obviously, you know, that's easier said than done because you want to find that purpose so quick, quickly, but just kind of like taking a deep breath and Hey, it's going to be okay. I'm going to find it, but I'm going to, I'm going to let it come. And that's not easy. And that's, I feel like that's hard to do is it's like, Oh, I just want to find my, find my purpose, find my purpose. You'll find your purpose. Yeah. You'll find it. It'll come. It's not, it might not come when you like, Yeah. but you'll, you'll find it. So I really just say like, patience as hard as that is yeah that's a great word you know and i think part of it is being in the moment you know part of it is i think the dream is now it's not someday you know someday when addison is announced broadcasting and is doing play-by-play or the commentary at super bowl you know <laughs> it's not it's not someday the dream is now you know mm-hmm. it's it's not someday when we win that state championship for the Rams, but it's now. It's now is the moment. And I think that athletes have to do this. And I'm no, I know you know about this. You've seen it. They have to get in the moment. If you just fumbled the ball or did a backflip, <laughs> if, if, if a moment just happened, you have to get back out. And, and one of the things I love and I want to talk about Rams football here in a minute, is if a mistake is made, I've never asked the coach this, uh, you know, I'm just a dad in the bleachers, but it does seem like when there's a mistake that's made, our coach, Rams coach is really good, and great coaches are good at getting the ball right back to that player. Um, I saw where a kid missed an open slant, and the same call was played next. I've seen it where... A kid fumbled the ball. First play at the next week, he got the ball. And it seems like great coaches want that go right back. So now you have a new memory. Yeah. But it seems like getting in the moment 
it seems like on this purpose thing, somehow it's, isn't it Addison sort of like this balance of, I figure out what my purpose is, but also live, be in the moment. It's gotta be now, right? Joy is in the journey and not the destination. If we're so focused on the championship, how do we embrace what we need to do right now? Right? Yeah, in, in, in that way, for like for me, you know, obviously the goal is to, to get, you know, you know, somewhere professional in in the broadcasting world. And right now, you know, I don't, you know, I don't get paid to, to do Riverview football. I'm just in college. I'm, you know, we're working outside of it. But, in, and there's a, in a real possibility it could take a, you know, a long time to get really up there in the broadcasting world. And through that could, you know, if you're a low end broadcaster, it's not a, it's not a, you know, a high paying job. And, you know, I understand that, but it's also just like, having fun with what I have right now and not, you know, worrying too much about that. I, you know, you talked about just enjoying the journey, the journey, you know, you've got to enjoy, you know, the little things and the hard things and the easy things and enjoy, finding a way to be thankful and enjoy everything in every situation. And, and for me, enjoying when it gets hard, like, mm. you know, that, and that's tough. It's so tough to, to, to do anything when it gets hard when it gets hard that's kind of when you want to shut down but when you when you embrace that and you have a good attitude through that and you enjoy the hard times and you look at it in a way all right you know let's do this like it it creates a whole different mindset and it makes that road and that journey a lot easier to the destination than if you you know sit and pout on it and oh this is hard this is hard oh i'm just giving up yeah I mean, those are great words. I, I wrote down what you said, enjoying it when it's hard and enjoying the hard times. I think athletes have to embrace that adversity uh, in that moment. And there's so many ups and downs. When you're broadcasting a game, and I know you you, you mentioned the Paradise uh, football, you could you broadcast, you could do every sport. What's funny about hockey is I had a college roommate, he and I argued over what was more important to the world, basketball or hockey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely basketball. <laughs> but you know what? I, 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 I will say this. I will, I will say this is now back when Michael Jordan was playing and stuff like that, I would have, you know, I imagine I would say basketball, but I would much rather watch an NHL playoff game than a NBA playoff game. I, oh, that's interesting. Basketball was kind of, I don't know, besides that, like i not a big basketball guy anymore. I, I had to touch on that because hockey hockey's underrated. I'll, I'll say that. Like, I, I don't watch hockey. I don't really even have a team for hockey. Kind of waiting till Salt Lake City gets a team. But basketball is just on, on a decline. Uh, when you said that, it just made me, I'm passionate about that NBA decline. Yeah. Well, I, I love, um, I think that sports is a great metaphor for life. And I love the excitement of the moment. I love how we handle loss and setback. You know, a lot of life is full of setbacks and losses. You know, we all take 
big hits. The waves of life are like the waves of an ocean. And sometimes you experience a tsunami. Sometimes it's a big wave that just knocks you over. Um, and so much in sports, I mean, there's all, often there's only one winner at the end. Everyone ends up with a loss. Yeah. I don't know if it was Charles, Charles Barkley. It says everyone loses their last game. Um, but it's about uh, embracing the adversity. And like you said, enjoying the hard times. Um, there's so many lessons, I think, for life that come from sports. Um, and all three of my kids are in sports. I think I love the storyteller, you know, and, and I think that part of what we do, my job is to help athletes define their story. And whether that's overcoming injury or taking care of their mental health in order to persevere and still hit it hard, whether it's like some of the lessons that you've been saying here, enjoying and embracing the hard times, the adversity, um, and you know, uh, how can we make a comeback? Um, you know, I just keep thinking as we're sitting here talking, I think about Mrs. Bliss and her, the moment she created. Yeah. Uh, that and, and, and it's and it's and, and, and it's crazy to look back at that small moment and like kind of be like you know that that's what started every everything like right i mean yeah you know again had i not you know taken that opportunity like and and, and now and you know and i know that i said like oh you know at the time you know i didn't want to you know go to that game on friday and everything like that but that's the most important thing. And like, you know, you talk about, you know, finding your purpose and, you know, stuff like that. When, and even if it's the smallest thing, when any opportunity arises, that's going to help with that and help you find your purpose. Yeah. Big, small, even if you don't want to do it in the moment, take it because an opportunity might not come again. It might, it might come again, but it, and it might be way later, but the, taking opportunities, like, I don't say no to a, you know, broadcasting opportunity. Like the, I did the Riverview baseball PA announcing last year. And I will be the first one to tell you that with no, no, like disrespect in any way, doing PA for high school baseball was one of the, if not the least favorite thing I've ever done. It's slow. It's not like the MOB because there's no, there's no pitch clock in, in high school. And not only that, not only that, there were so many games that probably went like four or five hours last year. It was, it was, and I just, so many times I was just like, oh my goodness. But at the same time, I looked at it. It's another opportunity. I can grow from this. And yeah. now. Yeah. Which a uh, uh, PA Joining baseball is going to help me with doing soccer. So even if it's something that like you don't think, you know, it's not your favorite thing. Obviously, it doesn't have to be what you end up doing, but it's an it's a growing and learning opportunity. And yeah. it, you know, and I didn't think, you know, I wouldn't. I thought I was going to like it more, but it's okay that I didn't like it. You know what? I know now that that's not for me, but now I'm more equipped to do other PA announcing jobs in the future. So. Yeah opportunities even though even the ones that are like oh and you're like oh do i want to do this today like uh, just go knock it out and then 
It's going to help you later on. It's not going to feel like it in the moment. Trust me. When it was 11.30 at night for a 6 o'clock game that had started last year at a Riverview baseball game that went like 17 innings, trust me, I was not, I was not feeling it. I was not happy. But it's just another learning opportunity. I know America is waiting for us to talk about Rams football. <laughs> I have one more question <laughs> that I want to throw you away at a personal level. You know, I mentioned earlier my dad. Uh, he's Dr. John Van Ingen, philosophy professor, uh, and one of the leading scholars with Immanuel Kant. I don't know if you know a lot about Immanuel Kant. I don't. Cr critique of pure reason. Um, my a lot of philosophy PhD professors avoid Immanuel Kant, but my dad goes right after him, and I use somehow I use that as a sports yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, linebacker. You got it. You know, Caldwell, you got to get into that defensive, offensive backfield. Anyway, um, you know, he had a huge impact, of course, my mom. And um, there's a, my first, my first and only friend when I was in college was a guy named Renee Rodriguez. And uh, I, w I was a, a, basketball was my dream, uh, a small dream. I was smart enough to know. In, in addition to broadcasting, I was smart enough to know I, my road ended at college, but I wanted to walk on <laughs> at the University of St. Thomas. And so I was cut twice as a walk-on. And, and then my third year, I knew that that had to end because I wasn't a good enough player. But I went after it. And, and that, I went after it as hard as I could and I just you know failed at that, but learned along the way. I had a friend named Renee Rodriguez at the time, my freshman year, my only friend who helped me with my shot, improved my technique, my mechanical skills and, and all of that. Um, there's a guy named, he introduced me to a man named Von Shepard. And Von, it, the late Von recently passed away. He was um, drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. He was a star at the, at, in Nebraska, he's a running back. He was a, a track star and a football star in high school in Minnesota. Vaughn had a huge impact on my life, my first few years in college. Anyway, there are several others, but I wanted to ask you, and my dad's gonna love watching me interview you because he knows our love for sports and broadcasting. And I wanna ask you, who has had a huge impact on your life so far in your career? And I know it's you know, yeah. just get yeah, sure. Last five uh, well, obviously, I, I would say, I would say both my parents. You know, they used to, they used to, you know, stay up till twelve thirty, one a.m. to come pick me up when I couldn't drive to the River Riverview games that I would stream during my junior year. I'm a really, really late, yeah. you know, for my age and my birthday. So during football season, I still didn't have my license, and so they would, you know, if for the road games that we stream, you know, they'd pick me up at one in the morning, and you know, obviously you know, through, you know, whether it was getting me a computer so I could stream on YouTube and stuff like that and just creating a lot of opportunities for me. Um, and I have a, a really like tight knit friend group, I would say, nice. um, that, you know, there's probably four, you know, four, you know, people in my life that I just know, like, you know, you know, support me no matter, you know, no matter what. And I just, you know, that's just a, a, a huge part to me. It helps me. Uh, feel secure and then also people that just like 
you know, there's this one person, I'll, I'll say this, actually, they uh, actually passed away, uh, wow, two and a half weeks ago, and I just found out uh, two or three days, but it was someone who, so before my YouTube channel on the jazz, I, uh, I had a YouTube channel just myself. I called it Little Man No Sports. Um, and I would stream college football games, NBA games, whatever. And so I think like two months into the channel, this guy, um, joined my stream. Um, and he was, uh, you know, I, I believe in his forties, um, something like that. Uh, but he was a big jazz fan, but you know, he went, uh, he was in, I, in some form of the military. Um, and so he was always out a lot. Um, but it was like a special force thing. So he, he had his phone on him and whatever. And stuff like that and he uh, uh would always make an effort to not only like you know give me advice on my broadcasting and stuff like that but individually and he was always a huge like you know fan of mine and would always you know at you know any man and yeah so like he he gave me a lot of you know great great advice and i like to me you know the, the biggest thing in a, you know a friendship and people that i care about are the ones that are there for you no matter what you know roadblock uh you hit and so i mentioned those four people you know those oh, four man. you know friends of mine that you know i truly believe like no matter what roadblock i hit you know they're gonna be there for me yeah um but yeah, he was someone that I had never, I never seen his face. I never um, met him. We were actually going to uh, this year um, before he passed. But he was, you know, someone that I didn't even know that, you know, had such a, just a positive impact on, uh, on my life. And then, it, you know, and then his daughter told me, you know, two, three weeks ago that he passed away in a heart attack. And uh yeah which you know was oh my goodness it was terrible i'm sorry um, to hear that. yeah and i was i was streaming while she you know while when she sent me the message so you know a little harder because it's the first time we'd streamed in a while so i was expecting to talk to him he'd always he always comes in on opening night and and yeah but i really say like you know my fa my family like for sure and then those those you know that tight you know group of friends that i have and then, and then, yeah, that that's kind of that person. His name is uh, Clark. He really he sticks out to me, um, just because I didn't know him, and he was, you know, I mean, we didn't talk all the time, but just like him supporting me through my broadcasting and everything, like I always appreciate. Like he felt like family uh, to me, especially in that uh, kind of way. But yeah, family, and you know, in that type group of friends, and then and then him, I'd say. I'm here with Addison Rusco, uh, the voice of the Riverview Rams. And I appreciate what you said, Addison. I actually wrote down here, friends, there for you no matter what. Uh, no matter what roadblock you hit, they're there for you. And I think none of us can do it on our own. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it takes a team. No matter how great of an individual you are, you need a team. And in life success, we need a support team. And I know that times, um, there are times sometimes people become extremely self-sufficient, but we all, and life will remind us uh, that we need to be thankful for our team and that we have a support team. Um, but as a voice of champions, Addison, you, you tell a story, you define a moment. 
and I just I love what you do. Your path. I'm I'm your biggest fan. Um, but you know we've got America wants us to get into Rams football. I know my dad. If there's one person he wants us to get into Rams, <laughs> so we got to get into it in our final uh, 10, 12 minutes here. Um, the key question I want to ask you is how we're going to win a state championship. Now, before you answer that, though, let me. Let's dive a little bit into the last four years for you. Uh, we'd like to hear your all-time favorite games and your all-time favorite moments in Ram football. All right, man. So let me. I'll, I'll go. I'll go back. I'll kind of give one favorite game for for each year. So my favorite game during the first year that I tra traveled with the team, not broadcasted, but was that Palmetto game. We won 16 to seven, I believe the score was. Um, but it was a lot closer than that. It was seven, seven in the fourth quarter. We got a touchdown and then a safety. Uh, Charles Lester, that was his freshman year. And he got two interceptions that game, I believe. And I, that was just, that was an awesome game. And that was just a, just a cool environment uh, to go to. DL3. Yeah, CO three, man. I, I I miss calling that this year. I mean, I miss calling that. I was, I mean, I mean, we you know we had all heard the rumors of you know him going, and you know it kind of seemed apparent. I was kind of hoping I'd have one more year to 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 call CO three, but you know, maybe one day, maybe maybe one day, uh, you know, I can you know do do it again. And if I you know, you know, hopefully get the chance to broadcast him in college football or possibly. You know, even the NFL, you know, depending on where his uh, curve goes. But that was a, an awesome podcast. I'm trying to, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to pull, I'm going to have to real quick pull up who he played in that season because, goodness, three years ago, my memory's starting to go away already. Hold on. Let me pull. Uh, that was two years ago. I definitely have my uh, my favorite one for for this past year, um, but let me just find the year here, and then I'll be able to tell you. I know I I'm thinking of it, but I just can't get it in my head. Take your time, man. It's just it's great. All right, you and here we go. Um, wow, that Palmetto game was good again in uh. I would I would say the Palmetto game again the next year the 22-16 Palmetto had a chance to win it late um, and on fourth down and ten they threw an incomplete pass so that was uh, that was a fun one and then last year last year man goodness there, there's always is a great game versus Palmetto. We lost that in Mud Bowl, seventh, the Riverview Sarasota game last year because there was actually a realistic shot that Sarasota won last year. I mean, I mean, between it being seven nothing, obviously for almost the entire game after the Scooter Troutman pick six, but Sarasota getting it to the one yard line two times on first down and goal and not scoring the kickoff return for a touchdown that got called back, the late winner from Johnson. Um, or was it Scooter Trotman? Who scored that last touchdown last year? Goodness gracious. It was somebody. It was one of the two. I think it was DJ Johnson. Yeah. Um, but that game was 
uh, was really, really fun to call because the this year and the year before, uh, last year, the Sarasota Riverview games have been boring to call. I'm not going to say boring. I had a good time announcing them. But what if we win, 46-3, to three, something like that this year? Like, we killed them. Yeah. And obviously, you know, even in a blowout, I try and, you know, bring in excitement and still make it an enjoyable broadcast that you don't want to turn off. But yeah, it, it, it being close made it so much more exciting. It was, I mean, that, that, one, that one was just fun. I so, think, I think I, out of every game that I've ever broadcasted, yeah. that was the most fun that we won. But I had such a blast calling the Clearwater game. I know we lost. Um, I know that. I know that. You know that's something that you know the players. You know, here's the thing. I, I, I said this to to my color commentator uh, Jonathan Morelli after the game. I said, "Listen, I was like, it doesn't matter how many more games we broadcast here or anywhere. I don't know if we'll ever see a crazier ending than that." In that game right there, it was, it was just, man. That I mean, it seriously, it was incredible. But yeah, the, the, I mean, there, there yeah. have been a, a lot of great games that I called, but really the ones against Palmetto stick out the most. Palmetto's a great game every single year. This year, fifty-two forty-two. We haven't seen a, a a shootout like that with Riverview in the entire time that I broadcasted with them. We've been a mainly defensive team. Yeah. We won a 52-42 game, which was exciting. Not that we haven't put up 50, but we put up 50 against a Palmetto team and, and, and won, won a shootout. And there haven't been a lot of shootouts. We put up 42 so against Book. Let's say all the games first Palmetto are the bad. Yeah. And we put up 42 against Book Holtz. 32 against Beholtz, yeah. Or 32, okay. Yeah, or 31 it was, but... Again, winning that shootout kind of made it better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, the, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I love high-scoring games, but I also love the uh, – I also – you know, I'm a sucker for the, you know, defensive games as well. I believe it was Sebring when we won 20-14 to 14 in my first year calling it. That game against Sebring was really, really fun uh, to call as well. That back-to-back Palmetto's uh, Sebring game. There's been a lot, a lot of fun ones. I hope one of these days we get to – you know, to broadcast a playoff game, you know, and maybe that'll top everything. Uh, but you, you Addison, you are, uh, I, I have noticed that uh, if you're the announcer, you have a unique perspective, your conversations with the coaches, your research through the week, and you, you define a story. You, you, you use words, you tell a story, you define a moment. But you're also doing your research. You're thinking about football. So outside of the coaches, the totality of the perspective, you know, and each player has to focus in on their unique areas of expertise. Like the lineman has to think about, he studies film for his position. Uh, Our kicker studies film for her position, (laughs) Uh, right? So the, the broad perspective and maybe the coaches, I don't know, I'm not a coach, but they have to focus in on their areas. Maybe the head coach focus. So there's very few people who have an understanding and conceptualization of all of the variables at play. And I think the broadcaster is one of those key people. And all of us as parents are biased and everyone has our biases. So I think your voice 
lends credibility to this question. Sure. How are we going to win a state championship? So, winning a state championship is going to be hard. There's no, there's no doubt. You know, pull up what's happened. We're we're five, we're five and four right now, and, and you know, you know, when the average person looks at that, nobody's thinking state championship, right? Obviously, it doesn't matter what the average person thinks, but you have to you have to look at it in, in this way, right? Beholtz are you know top some twenty five team in the state. We lost. Venice, we lost. Clearwater International, we lost. Even though we shouldn't have. Berkeley Prep, we lost. Not that we don't have good wins. We beat Palmetto. We now, beat Addison, we can beat Berkeley Prep. We. Oh, yeah, we could have. Oh, absolutely. But we like, stopped them on seven or eight downs at the one yard. But, here, but, but here's the thing we didn't win. And yeah. we, we did all that, right? And we still didn't win. So now you're posing the question how can we win a state championship, right? We're That's the ultimate goal. We're down 21 14 with five minutes left of Venice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you're and right. Listen, we didn't win. We, you're we, right. We we win, won though, that, that Clearwater game, but we didn't win. Well, right. And in the, and in the <laughs> well, we technically we didn't win. Right? We didn't win. Right. I mean, technically we, we did win. win? <laughs> Should we won? Probably. All right. I don't know what the clock operator was doing up there. He was he was too busy yelling at me. The clock operator was yelling at me when I was like, he didn't step out of bounds on the broadcast. This dude starts yeah. yelling down from the booth. He's too busy yelling down at the booth. He, he doesn't, dude, it's just click, it's, stop, click, stop. Hold it correctly. No, listen, Why did listen. the clock stop? Why did the clock stop? It's, listen, but here's the thing. All that, it doesn't matter because it, it, in the playoffs, it's one or, it's one and done. It, yeah. If you're out, if you lose, you're done. And you talk about making the case for how can we win a state championship? Well, Madison, we beat, we win that Clearwater game. We sure. can beat Venice. Sure, yeah. And, and listen, and here's the key to beating Venice. I before the game, I'll be honest. I I uh, told my good friend of mine, and I said, "There's no way we win." I just, I just called out. I just said, "There's no way we win." I said, "Yeah, Venice is worse this year, but there's no way we win." And he and he was right. He said, "Yes, there's a way we win," but said we have to play perfect, free football. And I talked about it a lot. In the Clearwater game, and what Riverview did great for about 46 minutes and 40 seconds was play nearly clean, perfect football in that game. They won the turnover battle. They had very minimal penalties called on them. And then in the last minute, 16, it all unraveled. Right? Can Riverview play a full 48 minutes? And, you know, to, to get by Venice. We know that right now Riverview's projected to play Immokalee in the first round of the playoffs. We know Riverview can beat them. Okay. We know that if Riverview sees Manatee in the second round, which is who they would be projected to play in the second round, we know that we could beat them. We have beaten them, right? And then it gets to the third round, and then it gets to Venice. And then it gets to Venice, right? So you're saying we... Gonna, so you're saying right now, if we win Friday, it, those are the first two. Would we be on the opposite? Not necessarily. So going, going into last week, yeah, Riverview was playing Mockley, and then Manatee was playing Charlotte. 
I do not know how it is now, but most likely Riverview, Riverview will either be two or three. Okay. That's kind of a guarantee. That's guaranteed if Riverview wins, that will be two or three. Now, and that means if we're two or three, we play, we, the path doesn't go to Venice until the regional final. Correct. Okay. Which is why it's important to be two and three or, or two or three. So Riverview is going to most likely be three minutes. He did beat Palmetto by five last week. So most likely they're going to be three and very well could have a rematch against Charlotte in the first round, who we play this upcoming Friday. Okay. And I mean, I don't want to say that, you know, we're guaranteed to win that game, but it's a game Riverview should win. And it's a game that if they play in the playoffs, Riverview should win. And if then we get to play Manatee at home, or even on the road, a game we should win. We're better than Manatee. There's no no bluff. I don't care how close they were. Even though we almost had a meltdown again, we're better than Manatee, and we should beat Manatee. And then it comes down to that. Right. The, the talk key about- is, how do you win a state championship? Well, you have to. All right, I want to ask you how we beat Venice. But let me, let's talk about some of the players. Say what? Sure. Sorry, we have a glitch here. Um, before, I, before I ask you that, this question, how we beat Venice, I wanna, let's talk about some of the players. There are so many great players. Uh, oh. there, I've got word that we may get Chase Caldwell back. Are you kidding me? That player is unbelievable. Well, we, yeah, so, so we, we, we are, but it's, it's, it's still in the air. It's no guarantee for week one of the playoffs. That's the goal, but it's no guarantee. And it's an important goal. And Chase Codwell has, you know, and he talked about it in the Suncoast Media Day um, at UTC earlier in August about how, you know, he wanted to really make a name for himself this year, and he's done exactly that last year. You know, there, I remember calling his name a few times, but not to the extent that, you know, I did earlier earlier in the season, uh, you know, with Chase this year. Uh, obviously, he had a big play in the Berkeley prep game uh, to eliminate a touchdown uh, from being scored. You know, Chase Codwell has been, you know, huge for, for Riverview and has been a good replacement at linebacker for Deshaun Olave, who left for college last year. And so, you know, you look at, you know, that aspect of it. He's a key key player in that, to have for Venice. You you need him. But you know what? James Griffiths has done a great job uh, filling in his shoes. Uh, You know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, he's done what Chase Cottawell has done, because we're not going to say that. But for what he's been asked to do, and, you know, especially last week against Sarasota, he was in on a lot of key tackles in that game. Uh, I've been really impressed uh, with 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 both linebackers, um, but yeah, Chase Codwell is a guy that you you really need to have back for Venice. Not that we can't win without him, but yeah. you need to have Chase Codwell back. Uh, someone else that has really uh, stuck out to me on the defensive side of the ball has been Jason Evans. He's been okay. e- everywhere yeah. um, since you know transferring over from Booker. I don't know. I, I keep saying transferring because I'm so used to how you know the colleges. I, I'm sure that's not technically what it's called, but, like, that's what it is. Like, Jason Evans transferred here from Booker, like, in mid th- midway through the year. Like, he entered the transfer port- protocol. He literally entered the, the transfer portal. Smithers picked him up. Uh, yeah. But, it's, it, dude, it's been a huge, uh, you know, decision. He, uh, 
played at Riverview ninth and tenth grade, then left eleventh grade, started this year at Booker, and then uh, came back uh, to Riverview and has made key plays in every single game uh, so far. Had an interception and a fumble recovery against Clearwater International, and just has been a, a again brings a lot of speed to the linebacker group. Again, this the linebackers have just been really solid uh, yeah. for River this year. It's a uh, man. What was that? There was a linebacker a couple years ago. By one of the, first, or the he was there the first two years. Is Tyreek something? I think it was or Tyree Tyree something. I can't remember his last name. Um, but he was, I mean, the best linebacker that I've seen out of Riverview without question. He was a beast, man. Like, I, I mean, I'd be scared beyond words, you know, with, with, with yeah. him. Um, but, the, you know, the linebacker group has always been uh, strong at R- Riverview. The defense has uh, Luke Hoskins, who really kind of came out of nowhere last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and he's he's been a, a huge, huge aspect. And then you look at the the defense or sorry, the offensive side of the ball with this group. Isaiah Bell sticks out the most to me. Yes, DJ Johnson is running back one. Yes, DJ Johnson has more yards. And this takes away nothing from what DJ Johnson, Johnson has done this year. Say what? He might be the best in Florida. I think he's up there. I don't know if he's the best in Florida, but he's up there. There's a lot of great running backs in Florida. He's up there. And here's the thing about me. I love your objectivity. I'm such a biased. And and listen, I'll keep it real. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that DJ Johnson's the best running back in the state of Florida. I'll tell you that DJ Johnson has a legit chance to play college ball. I'll tell you that. He does. Um, But he's not the best running back in Florida. But he's a really, really good running back. And he's had a great season, and he's only a junior. Yeah. And I, but then again, and I, and I talked about Isaiah Bell. Is Isaiah Bell? Yeah, Isaiah is. Is a re, my favorite part and aspect about his game is he's a hard, hard, hard runner. Yeah. He he's a sophomore. A sophomore should not be running like that. A sophomore yeah. should not be running like that. His strength is ridiculous. He's moving piles like it's nothing. There's a run where he was wrapped up by three guys against Sarasota. He chugs it along for six more yards. Like, it's, it was stupid. And the run for the first touchdown of the game, that was stupid. Yeah. Isaiah Bell is just impressed me. Right now he's so nominated. I, I remember watching him on the freshman team last year. Yeah. And he, he's, he is one heck of a, of, of a runner. He, he really is. And it, it complements so well with DJ Johnson's running. It, it's such a such a dynamic running. Yeah. So yeah, I sat with Isaiah at the banquet. He's right. such he, a respectful. Both are going to be over one thousand yards now. Yeah. Now what I could say is that it might be the best running. So that's what I hear. I hear that he is such. Does, I mentioned on the broadcast he does theater as well. Like he's just like. I, everything I've ever heard about that kid is good, and yeah. his mom is such a sweetheart. She is. I absolutely adore his mom. Uh, he, yeah, he's he's awesome. And then also Anthony Miller, you know, came here as a quarterback, 
and got, has gotten some reps in at quarterback. Um, and obviously will most likely be, you know, taking that position next year. But from what he's done from an aspect of, okay, yeah, he came here to be a quarterback, but he's accepted his role of not being the quarterback, knowing, hey, most likely this is my job for the next two years. But how can I help out the team this year? And it's been a really solid wide receiver. It's really he's slowed down at the wide receiver position uh, lately as the Rams passing game has slowed down um, and has become really, really run reliant. But for what he's done at the wide receiver position was great. And before uh, they brought in Daniel, and I still got to learn how to pronounce his last name. It's Fereza or something along the lines of that. But before they... Uh, you know, brought him in. Anthony Miller was, was was doing kickoffs every now and then. I believe he did it once, maybe twice, um, earlier in the season. He he he's taking any role, and that's what I you know that's what I love you know love about it is I know that he came here with the goal of winning the starting quarterback job. Yeah. He didn't, and we talked about it earlier about enjoying it even in the hard times, and taking an opportunity, even if it's not what you want to take, that's going to better prepare you for another opportunity later down the road. And I guarantee you, with him taking the approach that he did to this season, even if it's not what he wanted, because I guarantee you, you ask him, I'm sure he wants to be the starting quarterback this year. Who doesn't, right? Jeremiah Dawson feels the same way, I'm sure. But the way that he's approached it has been really well. It's going to set him up for success later on in his career at Riverview and onward. Yeah. Yeah, Addison, we got to do, I think we might have to do a playoff part two because. We all have to. <laughs> I, we have just about five minutes left. And, um, but let me ask you, I want to, football strategy. Like there's so much that you can process from individual technical skills to our favorite players. I mean, you're just really sharp. Um, you know, what if, all right, so we got Belt and Johnson and it seems like all of Florida, at least all the county of the, all the region knows what's about to happen. You know, Cardinal Mooney, which played really good against us the first three quarters. I know we broke it open and won 35, seven, you see it on the box score, no big deal. But the first three quarters, they right. had the ball in the one yard line about to go up 14, seven we get a great play. Maybe it was Marsters or some, or somebody. Then there's a holding call. Then they miss a field goal off the post. And then boom, we get four running touchdowns in the fourth quarter. But those first three quarters, it was this chess match, right? And it was like, put their, put Teddy and, and their other key defensive backs on one side, spread it out, run the other way. It was almost like a chess match between Brody and their coordinator. And it was just this back and forth thing through the first three quarters. And, uh, and doesn't everyone know what we're going to do? That's number one. Part two of my question is, so how are we going to then respond? Because we need a passing game. Miller and Campbell, Campbell, who is an absolute star, uh, they need the ball. How are we going to do a balanced, unpredictable offense to get that run to eventually be Venice? Or are we just going to say, you know, I even joked with DJ, well, well, you had I'll, eight I'll, in the box, you need nine in the box. And we're going to win I'll, anyway. I mean, 
I'll focus on 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 the on on the Bennis aspect of that. I felt when I wasn't at the Bennis game, I was uh, flying up to Nebraska that day. But while watching the Bennis game, through the time that I did, the play calling was very conservative. Where the prior games, I did not feel like the play calling was conservative. Like against Palmetto, we were doing trick plays and we were opening up the passing game. And, you know, allowing both Thomas and Anthony Miller to throw the football. So I think that part of it, I believe that, you know, you have to throw in trickery. And when they did in the Venice game, Josh Smithers called a fake with Jack Tolvig. It worked. Got a huge first down, right? But the offense didn't really do much trickery, right? They didn't, I don't know if Anthony Miller threw a pass that game, right? Where I feel like that needs to be uh, implemented if they – play Venice again because you have to you have to change something up and you have to air it out over the field however when that game switched it was 14-14 Riverview had the football Thomas throws it a great pass to Bradley uh, Weller for a first down but he dropped it falls right in the hands of Charles Lester takes it to the three yard line Venice then goes on to score three touchdowns so not only do you have to, in my opinion, open the open the playbook up, playbook up because when Brody Wiseman has opened the playbook up this year, I feel like it's been very successful. Yeah. But then there have been times that it's kind of condensed, and that's when you saw Riverview go on this offensive slump of fourteen, yeah, then ten uh, against Venice and then Berkeley Prep, and especially against Berkeley Prep, like those two weeks. Venice and Berkeley prep, the offense was like a closed book, right? Where in the first four weeks of the season, it was an open book, complete open book. Even even in the game against Butte that we lost 53-31, open playbook. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of trickery winners. You have to do that. But then you have to do what you did for the first 46 minutes and 44 seconds against Clearwater International. You have to win the little battles. Yeah. You have to. You have to win the penalty battles. You can't turn the ball over. I'm, like, you got to catch that ball. Like, obviously, you know, Weller's a solid wide receiver, but you, you can't make those mistakes against Venice yeah. because you, you're competing all the way throughout. It's middle of the third quarter, and then you let an intercept or you let a first down go through your hands. Venice takes over and then puts the game away virtually. That's what you can't allow to happen in, in that game. Because let's be real, Riverview can compete with this Venice team. Yeah. I've watched Venice play this year. This is the worst Venice team that I've watched since my time watching Riverview. Their defense is nothing special. They're good. They got Charles Lester back there. A solid defense. But they're not great. Venice in the past couple yeah. years has been great. Yeah. But they're not great. Venice is a very, very beatable football team this year. And if Riverview plays hard and they play and they open up the playbook, they can. They can win. Yeah. Um, We have to push pause. We have to end here. We have to push pause on the Rams football little section. I feel like there's going to be people that are going to love the deeper kind of story in, in your personal story. Um, and and then there's going to be the Rams football fans that are going to be interested. So maybe we have a Rams football 
kind of podcast. Um, Absolutely. But I, I appreciate your expertise. All right, so back to the big picture. Um, you know, we've been talking about, we've been talking to Addison Rusko, uh, the voice of the Riverview Rams, and uh, a great broadcaster now and future. And now it's about living in the moment. And um, the theme, our voice of champions, and the theme a little bit about finding purpose um, that I wanted to share today. And I wanted to bring on an expert in his area for today's show. Um, Addison, thank you so much for, for joining me and speaking encouragement into our listeners and just sharing a little bit about your story and your perspective uh, on broadcasting and life. You had some great words uh, that I wrote down, you know, that apply to all of us and somehow enjoying the hard times. And, um, and um, you know, we talked about some of your moments and I love when you said, no matter what the roadblock you hit, who's there for you in terms of having a support team. So again, I just want to thank, thank you, Addison. Do you have any final words as we wrap up today? Uh, well, I, I mean, thank you for having me. Uh, I, I had a really good time. Hopefully we'll be able to talk about Riverview football uh, some more. And and hopefully they let us stream a playoff game this year, man. I really I really hope, man. I really hope they let us stream a playoff game because I, 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 I don't want next week to be the final broadcast. Um, but, yeah, I look forward uh, to, to maybe talking about uh, Ram football uh, later on. Now, one last note. Are you, so, on your way to Syracuse, are you in? Are you here next year? Do you have one more Riverview Rams year? Yeah, so I'll be here. Ne- I'll be here next year for sure. Uh, that's a you know guarantee. Um, however, Syracuse is not a a firm destination now. Is it my dream? Is it my goal? Yes. However, Syracuse is a lot of dang money. And a lot of dang money that I don't have. I don't necessarily have eighty grand, you know, a year to drop on college. So I, I could be my, you know, one of my options that I'm, you know, really considering right now is the University of Florida, okay. um, and, and possibly going there. Now, if I go study at Florida, I very well could stay at Riverview for another two years after that. Um, and continue to, to do that because, again, it's an opportunity and it's an opportunity to grow. And I, I don't want to lose that opportunity. So if it allows itself and I'm in the state of Florida, I'll drive down three hours on Friday and I'll come broadcast the game. So there's the possibility that, you know, it goes another uh, two years after next year. Uh, but next year, I I, I would say there's, there's probably about a 50% chance that next year is my last year with Riverview much as I don't want it to be um but but yeah but it's been fun and ladies but, and gentlemen on behalf of all the parents and family members I want to thank you Addison I mean you you're you're great at what you do you tell a story you define a moment you bring energy you bring excitement and um you know I just I've loved talking with you today so thank you so much